0: This is Linux Unplugged, Episode 9, for October 8th, 2013. And welcome to Linux Unplugged, the weekly Linux podcast that never shuts down. Despite what those slackers in Washington are up to, my name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt! Welcome to episode nine, buddy. Thanks for having me. Nine weeks. I, I, nine I felt weeks like already. Ten's wow. cool, man. Ten's cool, but nine—that's like hipster cool, right? That's exactly. Like, yeah. Nine weeks in a row is pretty cool, and we've gotten a ton of good feedback on the show. People are loving it. I'm really excited. I think we're going to have a good discussion today because there's been something—it's been on my mind, Matt. And I can't shake it. It's Ubuntu 13.10. Oh,
1: my. Oh, goodness. uh, Our review's
0: coming up this Sunday on the Linux Action Show. And it's it's a big event. It's a big event. And I got to tell you, I've been struggling this week. So I want to talk a little bit about a couple of concepts I'm kicking around that after we kind of, I don't know, maybe kind of talk through them, it'll help me inform my review for this Sunday. I think I'll be ready after this week's episode. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around a few things. Mainly... Ubuntu 13.10 looks uh, almost certainly to be the most boring Ubuntu release we've ever seen. And i have gotten too
1: comfortable, you know.
0: I wonder if maybe Ubuntu is becoming the Windows XP of Linux. But not mm. in the insecure way. Not mm-hmm. in the insecure way. I'll, I'll, I'll explain what I mean if it's the XP sure. of Linux. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's exactly what the market needs. I think there could be an argument for that too. And we'll bring in the mumble room. We'll kick it around and get their opinions too. Because I know we've got some Ubuntu users in there and some Ubuntu converts. Oh, yes. I like that. You know, this morning I uh, was out getting meat, Matt. You were out getting meat? Okay. Yeah, I went out and went to uh, the local a Savannah bacon, Meats, eh? got a little meat. I don't actually get my bacon there too often, oh, but okay. uh, so, you know, I I took my son and my son Dylan is four years old and we walked in there and it was kind of early, so they were still kind of setting up in the morning. I wanted to, I like to get in there early because then all of the crew is in a good mood. Oh sure. You see, when you go to Savannah meets in the afternoon, sometimes they're not in good moods. I guess maybe it's something to do with cutting up animals all day and then you know dealing with pain in the butt customers. I'm Inner like, caveman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So we get there and they have on big hooks and, and with like a chain conveyor belt system in their ceiling. They're moving you know uh, slaughtered cows through the back, mm-hmm. and my four year old son just like. Sees them. It's the first oh, time he's no. ever seen anything
1: like that. He, <laughs> sure, that's quite a shock. Yeah. Wasn't
0: he like, you know, is he going like, to get really grossed out? You know, what's yeah. going to happen? But he was more, he was fascinated. He's like, you know, are, are those cows? He asked me, and I kind of started explaining it to him. Yeah. And the lady behind the <laughs> counter hears me explaining it to him. She's like, well, would you like to go see our, 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 um, she calls him. She said, would you like to go see the cows? I'm thinking these are live cows, right? I'm thinking these are <laughs> oh, cows. Yeah, like, not like a Dexter rerun Like here, right? maybe somebody just dropped off like a shipment of live cows and like to have oh, the meat, no. super, super, meat super fresh or something, you know? <laughs> So I'm like, okay, let's go look at cows. Yeah, sure. DIY. So yeah. I hold Dylan by his hand, and she brings us back into the cutter cut place where they're, you know, cutting up the dead animals. Sure. And she opens up the huge freezer. So come on in. I'm like, well, this is not looking good. These probably aren't alive. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, of these, you know, we, we get in there, and it's just this yeah. huge room full of hanging skinned cows it was disgusting but oh he thought God. it was fascinating he thought it was so cool and then like he totally right. was connected he totally connected like when i bought like some wrapped meat you know to butcher's paper he's like oh that's from the cow i was like oh well he doesn't seem to be affected by it but i was <laughs> well here's what i think is
1: interesting and i think this translates into the linux space as well is that if you walk into a situation or an operating system without a preconceived notion a lot of times the reaction might surprise the people around you.
0: You know, it's so inter- interesting you say that, uh, because we're gonna talk we're gonna get a little more into this Ubuntu thing. And of course, unity is one of the first topics that comes up when you talk about Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many strong polarizing opinions. It's such a polarizing topic. Sure. And there has been a couple circumstances in my personal uh you know, um experience, but also I was talking with Michael Dominic from Kota Radio. He's switched a couple people on his team over to Ubuntu this week. And uh, his his their their immediate response was like delight and fascination. Like they didn't have any of the baggage of, well, unity used to be like this and then they broke it like none of that was there. Right. And so right. they were just enjoying it, which is which was an interesting thing. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. But I thought first we should get into some follow up from last week's show. I like to uh, we're, we have a mail sack towards the end, but I like to do a little follow up just to kind of keep the thread of continuity between episodes. And our Good first plan. one Thank yeah. you, sir. Our first one came in from Jameson. All right. Now, last week I said that I was managing my photos by using G+, because they have a really good photo management system where you just take the picture, and the G+, app, uploads them to Google+, privately. Mm-hmm. And then Google+, like, has face detection. They auto-enhance pictures. They they figure out which ones are in the best focus and sort of highlight them. Like, there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole array of features that Google+, has. It's really nice. Yeah. Now, Jameson didn't have a replacement for all of that kind of stuff, Okay. But he did say, I'm not sure about the management capabilities of G, but the own cloud Android client does auto upload and you can have it go up to own cloud. And then you can view the library, the gallery on your own cloud installation. He says he's completely replaced using Dropbox doing that.
1: That's interesting. And, you know, the more I read about stuff like this and people that are kind of migrating to that, the more I think. What types of own cloud companies and services are out there providing services for people that just want that experience, but maybe in a self-contained, pre-ready-to-go box? See, this is –
0: I was trying to talk Alan into – now, he's just too busy, so I totally understand why he hasn't done it. But I was telling Alan, like, this could be a business for Scale Engine.
1: Exactly. That's what I was thinking. You
0: toss up a VM, or in his case, a jail, um, of of an own cloud instance, you let – because – there's there are downsides to having it on your own connection, especially for people who oh, yeah. have more restrictive ISPs, bandwidth caps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know all the dynamic IP, all that.
1: Wow, kind that's an excellent point. Yes,
0: yes that's, I I really think there could be somebody who's just like here. Have a we just roll your own cloud instance. We'll up we'll make we'll update the security patches for you. We'll deploy it for you. We will give you a login, and then you own it.
1: If only there were more Linux ad or Linux and BSD administrators out there, right? You know only Matt.
0: We need more in this world. <laughs> All right, well, Pedro writes in on a little bit of the KDE topic. He says, Hi, Chris and Matt. I really love the recent shows for both Last and Unplugged. Finding in a good alternatives to cloud-based services is something I think many of us will find very important these days. Now, here's I feel like there should be a but here. In the last show, you said that your KDE config broke again, but you are moving and you are moving to GNOME. I've been very happy KD, KDE Plasma user for some months and won't, uh, desktop in, won't desktop environment hop again in the near future. But what you said about the Gnome guys integrating these cool Linux-specific technologies got me thinking about how KDE is going to approach these changes. They are also going to have some pretty significant changes soon with Framework 5 and Plasma Workspaces 2, uh, which sound very exciting. I was wondering if you could get into, uh, get somebody from the KDE camp, like Aaron or uh, Joss, uh, on the show to discuss it with them, and also the Wayland transition, maybe even your recent config troubles, ugly defaults, etc. Uh, good luck and keep up. The big Shows, Pedro. Boy. I, I kind of like boy. that idea. So, um, one w- w- one thing I really would love to get the community's help on is if anybody out there has experience with, um, I don't know, w- with, with radio or podcasts where they have lined up interviews with folks, uh, we'd love to talk. Um, because oh, certainly. I, th- I think, you know, um, Matt and I have great ideas, but we're both, there's just a lot of things we have to do during the week. And interviews just take up a little bit extra time to line up. And I would love to have them much more frequently on the Linux Action Show. So if anybody out there has some work with that, shoot me an email, chris at com, and we'll chat some more. Maybe there's an arrangement we can work out, uh, maybe a few Bitcoins or even a few PayPal dollars we can throw your way if you can help line up a series of great interviews. And, you know, some of them, like Aaron, I'm sure, you know, we could just, you know, we could probably just ping Aaron and just figure out a time that works for him and bring sure. him on. But there's a whole ar- array of folks I'd love to have on Linux Action Show, um, and I'd love to have more interviews on that show. So if
1: you're you're well, and I definitely would echo the whole timing uh, scheme of it is that you know I've been trying to track down a couple people, and it's just trying to make sure that we're on the same page as far as date and time and whether that works and whether they have things going on. Yeah, I definitely could use some help there.
2: Yeah, and
0: you know it's 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 one of those things where ah, it's hard to there's there's always there's always ways to record it when we're not like doing a regular show, which is. Yeah, right. with seven shows now. It's hard to find a time where we're not doing another show, but that's always possible. It'd be great mm-hmm. whenever we can. I well, also we could do things where people just join us on Mumble here during this show. You know, they just come on and chat with us, which is cool. Yeah, like you know, for example, I you know, I, I, if you want, if you just had a new distro release, or you know, if you had something come out, come on here, tell us about it. We're not going to yell at you for coming on. and Tell us about the cool open source software you're working on. Yeah. join our Mumble server. You know, join Absolutely. our Mumble server. In fact, if somebody would paste the mumble server info into the chat room right now, that'd be helpful. All right. So uh, uh, last bit of follow-up before we uh, move into the meat, as it were, I guess, the main course. Mm -hmm.
1: Main course? Yeah, Yeah. I I say main course sounds good.
0: Brandon writes in. He says, hi, Chris and Matt. I wanted to share some thoughts about the comments you guys had about these kids these days who don't understand (laughs) what's going on behind the screen. Matt, we got a lot of feedback about this. So we got one more in the mail sack. But this was a popular topic. Uh, He says, I'm not denying it. You're totally right about it. I just don't necessarily see it as a horrible thing. Now, remember what we said is these kids today, the damn kids on our lawn, didn't know how it worked behind the touchscreen. Like they were touching the screens and clicking the mice, but they had no idea what any of the context behind it. So don't get me wrong. We obviously need some younger kids to get into computers to keep things going along, keep going long term. Uh, But there isn't any need for every kid to get into it. Computers these days are going through the same cycles that all big new technologies in history have over time. For example, when ancient civilizations first discovered how to create metal items in the Bronze Age, they had far more blacksmiths than latter Iron Age civilizations. For a lot of reasons, it was new amazing technology that was making revolutionary changes in their lives and everyone wanted to replace their stone tools with metal ones. In some ancient cultures, it was a rite of passage for boys to create their own metal weapons. Okay. All right. Okay. I That's see it. where That's going. That's actually kind of cool to know. Okay. Yeah. And it also, you know, it, remember my argument was, is this is more important than your average uh, passing technology because it's so integrated in all of our lives. Well, you know what? So are metals and, and plastics and things like this that. This is true. This is true. He uh, he goes on to say, we live in a very specialized world. Things have grown, uh, things have grown so advanced and complex, complex that for everyone to understand how everything they use in their daily life works would be impossible. For example, Sure you may know how your computer works, but do you know how much do you know much about how your car or your home air conditioner or your own body work for that matter? Any of the other dozens of things you use every single day. Sure these kind sure these kids today might not know what's going on behind their computer screens, but they are going to grow up and learn all kinds of things that you don't know. One of these kids may grow up to become a general contractor. He won't know how to build a website for his business, so he'll <laughs> hire someone that does. Uh, in turn, someone that can build a website may hire him to add a deck to the back of their house. That's just how modern society works. Thanks, Brandon.
1: I would expand on that with the following. First of all, I totally hear what he's saying as far as uh, you know, the kids obviously are going to go into their own specialty and find their own way, and I think that's great. But I think it's important to realize myself as a good example of this. Uh, I have worked as a machine operator. I can lay carpet. I can do vinyl. Um, I know how to change my oil and change my tires. So I'm not great at it, but I can do it. And I also know a lot of this Linuxy stuff that I'm always talking about. So I and I can also do some minor electrical work as well. So I, I've tried to widen my range a little bit, and I think it wouldn't kill kids to perhaps consider doing the same thing, both in tech and in other in other areas as well. Maybe a little carpentry, maybe a little this little hands-on stuff. You know, wouldn't kill them. Um, yeah. Most kids today can't do squat uh they can watch, you know, SpongeBob and uh text on their phone. That that's been my experience. I'm living with one right now and it's driving me nuts. So it's kind of a it's frustrating because I don't see a lot of that uh boy, you know, yeah. A lot of the passion and the desire just seems to be like vacuum packed right out of the room.
0: Mutarchango so. in our Jarum says uh if you don't know how it works, you don't own it. Uh it's interesting. I could see that. I, I agree with you. I think there's always I, I always strive to so like the examples you cited. Like, uh, I have a pretty good idea how I would change the oil on my truck. I just don't yeah. ever want to do it. Oh, same um, here. No, I,
1: soon, I'll pay someone else to deal with it. Yeah. I
0: do know how my air conditioner works. Um, and I also try to, you know, very closely pay attention to how my body works, even though I suck at it quite badly. <laughs> yeah, it's a I learning how, process. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I know what it has to say. Yeah. I just don't want to listen. Right. Um, but I, I think at the same time, um, I still want to make the argument, although maybe just less emphatically that computers represent a new kind of technology because you see what 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 i see happening more so than just not knowing how they work is they're being perverted into consumption driving machines right all of these yep. all of yep. these apps that you know want you to buy things and amazon mobile apps and this and that they're consumption machines but they can also be information machines and tools and learning and empowerment machines right i mean the greatest thing about an android device is that it can give you wikipedia and google at your fingertips anywhere in the world and at the same time it can also be used to sell you crap you don't need track you and all these kinds of things um and i just i fear that because they are so capable of a broad range of either benefits or abuses it becomes incumbent upon the person to have a better understanding so that way they're not being taken advantage of
2: True. right
0: it just seems like there's more possibility for abuse and
1: I think also, you know, again, kind of bouncing off of that a little bit, I, the only way I see overcoming this is we come up with apps that essentially make Wikipedia some anime thing that's like lots of flashing and lots of stuff going on. I mean, like turn everything into a, like a 3D uh, game. Mo- a 3D game, multiplayer, you know, cha- who can change the oil the fastest, the best. Now, who, what you need who is who Wikipedia thing, you, know? you can
0: text, right? Well, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you
1: can say, I just changed my oil. It's like Instagram, your oil change. I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we've got to figure out a way to like sex this up for the kids so they're more interested, I guess. I don't know.
0: I think if, <laughs> I think we'll find – I don't know. Something in me tells me we might find an equilibrium here somewhere. The only, the only thing is, is we're also moving down to a period where it's like my – so I mentioned I have two vehicles. I mentioned I think I could change the oil in my truck. I don't think I could change the oil in my car because when I open the hood of my car, it's got a plastic covering over the whole thing. Oh, no kidding, right? right? That's what the smartphone and the tablet is now. That same I think thing. you're
1: exactly it. Yep, that's the plastic cover. And it's like working on cars. It's the same thing. I'm not a, you know, my brother's more the mechanic than I am, but I think that, uh, you know, older cars have always been considered easier versus the newer cars, which have all the computer crap and all that stuff put into it that takes special certifications and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I think that definitely presents a challenge, but I think just finding, learning how various things work and finding a way to make that interesting to kids because you are competing with those media consumption boxes. How do you, trying to present it outside of that media, media consumption box is not going to happen. I think we've established that. Uh, my 16 year old nephew is going to definitely testify to that. I've been dealing with that unbelievably because every time I turn around, he's got his face buried in his phone. You I know. think as
0: people <laughs> learn, they can be tools to express an opinion or a view, or you know, as they become more communication devices, some of that might change. I, you know, at the flip, the flip side of this is is that that means the remaining people who take the time and the trouble and jump through the hoops to educate themselves. And let's not even talk about today. Let's talk about, you know, when my kid is is in his. 30s. What's that going to be like? What's the the difference going to be like? And if he goes through all of the hoops to become an expert in these things... He could potentially be a niche skill, and maybe that True. means he's True. got a you know then he's got a a well paying gig you know that kind of thing. So there's po- potentially positives to this too.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, no, I definitely think that. I think centralizing your skill sets definitely it. But I also like the idea of just knowing how to uh, how to pull a toilet and replace it. You know, I I, I think that's mandatory.
0: And like Brandon, <laughs> so. and like Brandon says, you know, you can't you can't expect in in in, in when we live in a society. Where these monkeys without hair now have right. you know, 3,000-pound vehicles that can go 80 miles per hour. like We have all of these things that were never originally envisioned by evolution. You, you really can't expect us to keep yeah. track of everything. It's just it's oh, not, not in our nature. So you do need technology to sort of relieve the burden a little bit. So I, I, don't, I don't want to sit here and say you are worthless if you don't know how this stuff works. I just no, want to no, say no. You, need to, you need to be aware of what could be – you could be getting taken advantage of. You Absolutely. need to be aware of the downsides.
1: How to spot a contractor coming in and saying, you know, he's going to give you a quote, and how to call bullshit on it. You know, I yeah. mean, how to actually know when he's, you know, pulling pulling one over your eyes. Just little things that around the house doesn't have to be anything great or extravagant. Even just house maintenance stuff, like you said with the air conditioner. Little things like that can save you a lot of heart.
0: And I'm going to get controversial here, but <laughs> uh, I say I we have this play out in the medical industry. Right. People, like Brandon said, have no idea how their bodies work. They have no idea what role nutrition plays. They have no idea how to properly take care of themselves. So they go to the doctor in the costume, you know, the white coat costume that he wears, where he (laughs) makes a bunch of money. And all of the office ladies that he works with are completely scared of him. And then he tells you what to do. And you say, "Okay, thank you, (laughs) master. And you go home and you do it because you've never educated yourself about health. Right. Exactly. And this is is true. I just don't want that to happen in computers, but it already has, hasn't it?
1: It has happened to computers and I think you know coming back full circle back into the whole technology side of things is that I think that's what Linux provides us with an opportunity of. it, it allows us to to see cause and effect it allows us to see how our actions can actually generate a uh, an, an actual reaction that we can visualize experience and, and, uh, it, and enjoy
0: It allows you to go as deep as you want, right you can absolutely you can grab Ubuntu, burn it to a disk or a USB drive and install it and maybe go six months before you have to open up the terminal, right. right. Or you can do Linux from scratch. Like you've got that whole range. Or you know you can be an end user, or you can create code and develop for it. And actually, Absolutely. you know, so it it does. Uh, I again, I think this is going to be another huge advantage to Linux down the road. Is I think so. As these as as we get mobilized on all of the commercial platforms and everything goes to the cloud, there's still going to be Linux. And if you want to just learn how something works from top to bottom, it's like the the track you're going to get on. You're not going to go to college and take a a Windows 9 course on Metro, right? Because that's not going to teach you any of the <laughs> no. fundamentals. You're going to go to a class, and you're gonna, they're going to be using Linux. It's just going right. to become one more use case for Linux.
1: That's true. And I know Windows admins that are experiencing that now, that they're beginning to find themselves. Uh, one of them actually had to deal with CentOS here recently, and actually we talked a little bit about that. And it's interesting that even no matter how hard you try, e- even if you're in a Windows world, you're still going to be dealing with it. Oh, it's yeah. going to
0: happen. Oh, and more and more so, Matt. Mm-hmm. And we actually get contacts from you know a lot of guys. Hey, I'm a Windows guy. Hey, you know, I need a lot of the – because, you know, on TechSnap, we take a lot of, like, IT sysadmin questions sure. for people that are trying to solve a problem at their gig or whatever. And we hear from a lot of people who run Windows shops that are moving to Linux uh, or moving to uh, BSD because they need X and they need Y. And it's, it seems to be a trend. And ZFS – I mean, this is why I harp on Linux Action Show and unplug so much about ZFS is because every week – you know, we get a dozen emails about people switching to BSD because they want native ZFS support. And I'm not exaggerating at all. It, it is, I have watched trends happen as I do these shows and the, the migration to ZFS and, and, and BSD too is, is, is real and it's happening and it's happening in the enterprise too. It's happening at the, at the small and medium business level too. And it's, It's like the ZFS has these wider range of features that Microsoft is trying to catch up to in Server 2012, and they have some good stuff in Server 2012, but at the end of the day, it's still NTFS and it's still their black magic and people get uncomfortable with that.
1: That's true. That's true. But I, now here's the question I would ask you, would you gauge this as more of an IT driven thing or is this just a bunch of excited home users? You know,
0: I mean, like, no, you-, I, you know what it is, is that, uh, no, if anything, it's more on the IT side. Uh, That's because, what I figured. Yeah. Uh, we Makes actually, sense. we talked about this, uh, in last week's TechSnap. is TechSnap, or uh, ZFS, ZFS was created really with enterprise in mind. Like if you want to, want to add a drive, you want to add some space to an array in ZFS in a pool, you know, you're you're in two drives minimum before you even are comfortably expanding that array, and really you should probably do three or five drives at a time. Like so, I mean it's a it's a serious production uh, system, and that's why it allows you it allows you to get the features and abilities of you know these massive fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollar, seventy thousand dollar EMC arrays um, wow. on your own you know on your own uh, fiber attached storage that's hanging off the back of a FreeBSD box. So it's allowing for this huge set of advantages without all that overhead of that proprietary enclosure and software.
1: That sounds real. I, you know, just from your description, that is quite. That's quite appealing. I can definitely see why IT would be jumping all over that. Yeah, yeah, and
0: and um, it's It's just logical.
1: It's like you would be stupid not to. It's 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 (laughs) another
0: trend away from sort of the. Um. Even even in big window shops, because that's where our emails are coming huh. from, too, is guys that, well, we're Windows here, we're Windows here, but we're doing a ZFS array here for our storage. How do we integrate these two things? Oh, wow. Wow. It's going to be a crazy world. It's going to be something world. to watch, I think,
1: in, t- in fourteen, I really do. All
0: right, Matt. Well, before we jump into our main topic de jour this week, I want to thank... Our sponsor, that is Ting.com, and Ting is mobile that makes sense. Now, Ting is an MVNO of the Nationwide Sprint Network, so that means if you've got good Sprint coverage, you're going to get great Ting service in your area. And for me, now I'm lucky, I don't know where this is for everybody, but in my neck of the woods, I get LTE. 3G and WiMAX. So, I have like the, the, the pick of the spectrum for myself. And the thing that's beautiful about that is I only pay for what I use. So, I don't get, have to get into these complicated data programs. I don't have to get into these complicated contracts. It's no contracts, no early termination, no bundling or ride along services. You just pay for what you use at the end of the month. However, minutes, megabytes, and messages, it all gets added into a bucket. And then, pow, Bob's your uncle. That's what you end up paying. The average team bill is like $21. I think uh, I've been using some ways. This month, Oh, yeah. So Good I think stuff. I think mine's like I think mine's like at 18 bucks right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's I've, not bad. <laughs> it's really no for the amount of data. Well, plus, like it's one of those things where like, oh, I left my Wi-Fi off for a day. Well, no big deal. It's not really a really big deal. I don't have to worry right. about it. And with no add on charges, you get voicemail, caller ID, tethering, hotspot, three way calling, call forwarding and other features that are all just part of the service. You don't have to have add on no mysterious light items on your bill. It's really simple billing. Fantastic website makes it crazy easy to manage unlimited well, devices on one plan yeah go ahead
1: well i was gonna say what's cool is with my with mine i oftentimes forget whether i'm on wi-fi or i'm on on the 4g network because i set alerts to alert me of anything i care about you know through the uh, ting control panel so i you know it's just it's great because i don't have to worry about it i know my bill is going to be ridiculously cheap and i'll probably be getting the coin from it from my couch
0: yeah i know right and you know what's so <laughs> you know what's so wild about lte now is and WiMax is like this too um it in some in some areas it is faster than some folks' broadband. Yeah, their, their physical connection. Yeah. And like Matt said, that powerful online control panel lets you take control of your account. You get your usage information, your bills. You can activate and deactivate devices. And of course, if you get stuck at any time they have a no-hold customer support, you just call them. 1-855-TING FTW. And that's anytime between 8 a.m. or 8 PM and a real person answers the phone. You can also go to help.ting.com if you're do it yourself, or they've got forms over there. Also at Ting.com slash hangout. Or Hangouts? I gotta look that up. They do uh, they do Hangouts, and it's just they have an embed spot, so you always go to the same spot on their site. Which I didn't even know you could do that with Hangouts. You always yeah. go to the same spot on their website, and they have a live Q and A. If you got some questions, you can ask them. Of course, they've also got active Twitter and Facebook accounts where they're answering questions along with that one eight five five TINGFTW. It's pretty great stuff. I've been rocking an HTC One. First, I got an Evo. With my Ting service, I brought my own Evo. And so that meant my first month of Ting was totally free. Because if you go to linux.ting.com, you're gonna save twenty-five dollars off your first month of service if you bring your own device. If you don't have a device yet, they're gonna take twenty-five dollars off it when you go to linux.ting.com. So I brought my own. I got my first month for free. Yeah, and I I yeah, even though we're a sponsor, I pay for my service. I just want to put that up front. I've paid for all my devices and I pay for my service. Right. And and much like now I make my choice based on the license of a software. I make my choice on if Ting supports that device because Ting is the carrier that respects their users. Ting is a mobile ISP. You guys know how those other companies are taking advantage of you and Ting doesn't do that. People love Ting and your people. So think about that. It's a match made in heaven. So go over to linux.ting.com. Save $25. The sooner you start, the more you will save and uh, I think you're going to be really impressed. And, you know, they got some great devices, like, the, I kind of want the Moto X. I kind of want the oh, Moto X.
1: just a little bit want it. Yeah, you've been, like, just drooling over it, like, fine at your screen. I know, I know. I'm
0: waiting for the final report from, <laughs> from uh, Mr. Dominic. I and mean, if when he gives me the thumbs up or thumbs down, then it might be a Christmas present. I'm just kind of waiting to see if, if the Nexus 5 comes around on the Ting service. Because it's got to be on Ting if I'm going to get it, because I only use Ting. So thanks to Ting right. for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Nice. Okay, man, I wanted to, uh, I, was, I was trying to put my thoughts together. And okay. uh, here's what I came up with. So I think um, last – so the last time we reviewed Ubuntu, we hadn't tried the Arch Challenge yet. And I think this might have uh, kind of brought it on. But we titled Ubuntu 1304 Best But Boring, right? Yeah, was,
1: essentially it was a big meh, right? Yeah. I and mean, that was
0: kind of the whole yep. thing of it. It really wasn't anything
1: to speak of that was exciting or new. Right. Um, but it wasn't horrible. It, right. just, it just was.
0: So uh, I would propose to you that perhaps Ubuntu 13.10 – Could be the most boring Ubuntu release ever. Um, (laughs) That's our new gauge, right? (laughs) Yeah, but boring helped Windows XP become the widest deployed Windows desktop OS in history. It's still used today by 31% of Windows users, according to Wikipedia. Uh, But what's practical... Okay, so let's back up from there. So if I was Miguel de Caza, I would argue that Linux could have used more boring back in the day. And because we weren't boring enough, he believes that a lot of a lot of the changing of the backends and APIs and things like that hurt commercial adoption by large-scale development shops, right? I would agree with that. Yeah. And so whereas you know, if, you are, if you're a little more steady, then the people building apps around you are able to target you better. But what's the practical cost of being boring? Stagnation, really, right? When you're boring, it means you might be stagnating a little bit.
1: I would say I'm actually beginning to see evidence of that with some of my Ubuntu articles, uh, article, and and also just with articles I've written for other people that we're seeing tremendous traffic. We've seen huge drops, and people aren't searching for it anymore. And I don't know if that's because this stuff's not a problem, or because people are going to other distros, or what exactly is happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, stagnation, you know, maybe as a platform, stagnation has some benefits. You yeah. know, you could argue XP stagnation came at the time where the Windows market was relatively mature. Whereas Windows, you know, that's Linux is not really in that same space, same space. Ubuntu is not really in that same position. They might not ever be. So I think it. I don't know. I think stagnation. I think stagnation hurts in this case.
1: I think it's too early for them to be stagnant. I mean, there's a time where you can stagnate for a period before the next big thing, and that's okay. But I feel like that they stagnated early, and it's happening for a too long, too a lengthy of a period of time. And then, of course, with the whole mirror situation in uh, the next release not happening. Uh, that's not really helping either and of course there's all there's the nvidia you know stuff going back and forth as to what's going on with that how's it going to be affecting with others you know lots and lots of stuff behind doors we don't know what's really going on
0: yeah Um, and i would argue too like um maybe this is the case for maybe they should have gone rolling remember when that whole debate came up? yeah we're like i don't know about rolling but i thought about it you know after using, I'm going to say it, but after using Arch for a while, Linux is a constantly evolving beast. The collective output, it's the collective output of tens of thousands of developers taking their ideas and turning it into code. And it happens every single hour of every single day. So stagnation is not inherent to this evolving beast, right? It is, it is the opposite of what Linux is. It's a forced solution that's grafted. They're taking an old-style, like... Sell your software in CDs in the store, and they're trying to graft it on top of an always moving, evolving beast to make some sort of model from. That's uh, right. But the two things are not really that compatible, uh, and I wonder if I wonder if now we're seeing like the strain of that model here, with because we have these expectations built up around these six month cycles. We have like uh, you know we want to see like a headline feature that we used to see yeah. all the time.
1: And that's the problem, is that because they're dumping so much of the resources into all this, quite frankly, behind-the-scenes stuff that for the front-end user really isn't all that exciting to hear about. It's more exciting for the geeks and less exciting for just casual folks. I think they really will need to go to a rolling release because, quite honestly, all the distros that I'm really drawn to, I don't care what it is. you know, I find myself more excited about a rolling distro than I do a stagnant
0: yeah, distro. Yeah, and to your point, yeah. so um, today – I updated my Arch installation and I got GNOME 310.
1: Ooh. Oh, so see, there you go. Right?
0: In 10 minutes on my machine, on Arch in the morning, in one series of updates, I got more features and changes than I feel like I'm seeing in a six-month product cycle in 1310. I feel like in one update wow. on Arch, I have more of a revolutionary change than than the collective 1310 entire distribution. Exactly. And I I I wonder if distributions should maybe trans transition to more to like instead of being where they snapshot a moment in time and then they quality check and they roll that all up and they shoot and they ship it, uh, maybe they could you know and each and you consider this maybe they could instead just move to like caretakers of 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 a safe rolling distro like each major distro is building up all these sophisticated automated testing systems and while they're not perfect, you know if you have more people using rolling. Software. If you have more people using more current open source software, mm-hmm. then that's going to make the upstream software better. And then that has cascading effects across the entire Linux ecosystem because then everybody is submitting bugs on the same upstream code. Everybody's right. getting the patches. Everybody's fixing. I know this is a utopia, but it could have a dramatic adoption, improvement on the adoption of fresh open source software, which could, which could then drive a whole new you know, momentum around software uh, development.
1: Well, and there are distros that already do that. Uh, Manjaro is fairly close to that in that you have your stay. I hate to say, I know I keep plugging it, but it's true. Uh, they have, you know, you have your stable, which is basically very periodic snapshots, probably about once a month, no big deal. Not really. It's kind of a stagnant rolling kind of thing, and it's safe and it's stable and whatever. And then you've got your uh, unstable uh, repos that you can go to, which are quite frequent. Uh, there's a lot going on there, and so if you want to experience more of a uh, rapid... Experience. You can do that too. So I see other distribu- distributions have been uh, looking into that. I say Ubuntu should look into something like that. You have your long-term release that is basically just bam, here it is. It's not changing like it is now. And oh, hey, by the way, the other one is constantly evolving. That would solve their problem, I think.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe there's a bit of like a bias. I feel like people are afraid of upstream fresh code. Like we have a culture of fear that something's going to break. Even if long-term. And, and yeah. even if something hasn't broken yet, Oh, it's gonna break, just you wait. It's gonna break. Um, but I, I wonder if we couldn't maybe have a discussion around like there's gotta be a middle ground here. Because it I don't I, I don't think this well, at least for Canonical, it's just not working. I mean, I don't want to – And even just snapshotting. Now, they don't even have to go full art style.
1: They just need to actually have monthly snapshots. That's all they have to do, just whatever it is. They can still do a rolling release in their, in their typical uh, dynamic you know, release, and then, of course, their long-term releases as it is now. Then they're not totally just every single day new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, because that would just be anarchy on the forums for a bit yeah, too, yeah, yeah. too big of a change. But I think snapshots would work for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I ch- uh, I'll ask the mumble room, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think that uh, we are sort of seeing the the end of, uh, we live in a world now where when there's a new version of Google Docs, Google just pushes it to your web browser. When there's a new version of Yahoo Mail, you just log in one day and you get it. Are we now living in a world where we should just be getting new things pushed to our machines from time to time and, and s- going with these big snapshots? Is this, uh, is is this, this awkward? Is
2: it awkward?
3: I'm not sure that's a good thing.
2: I think we're looking at this completely wrong. All right, give it to me. Google has their own distribution in-house. The government Mm -hmm. has their own distribution in-house. Police departments, everyone has their own distribution, which they actually maintain themselves. Right, right. There's actually no need for an upstream distribution to do what the companies are going to do anyway.
0: So why couldn't then Canonical say, all right, Ubuntu is a rolling release. Here's LTSs. If you want to take those and fork those, have at it. You know, you go make yeah. well, you're assuming that a rolling.
4: Yeah. See, you're assuming that the rolling releases are by default uh, good and they always work and they will work. But see, I ask you this. Would you use Arch in a production environment? Or would you use a more stable distro like Debian or something?
0: Well, I am. I cons- I mean, they- I do use it for media production. I, I was considering rolling a home server running it. I don't know. I, I like the idea of an LTS for a server.
1: Yeah, that was my that was- point is that, yeah, it's not going to be appropriate to put that into a uh, big-time important role. But if you have long-term releases that exist as they do now, that literally has no effect on it.
0: I just feel I just, like thingy, we should. Thingy. I feel like technology should be good enough that we could all be just be using rolling releases. Like mm-hmm. let's get testing done. Let's write software so that it doesn't break it's after great. an update.
5: It's not the technology; it's the people. I think Arch is fine It's the people in a production environment. I've, the only time I've ever had issues with Arch was like something I did, something I screwed up. So if you know what you're all doing, right, well, Arch is fine. That said. I mean, that could be said about any dish you like. If you don't know what you're doing, uh, you can completely screw up the dish, too. And, and you, and also, you also yeah, got to go realize
6: ahead. that Arch is community-driven. Right. That there's not a team behind it, really, except for just, you know, the, the very, very minimal stuff. But it's mostly community-driven.
2: That's where all, all the really come, come from.
6: from.
4: Uh, There is a very horrible bug in KDE, which uh, does not copy files and doesn't tell you about it. And this has been a bug for five years, meaning if you copy from one location to another, it will create the folders, but it won't actually copy the files. This has been a bug for five years. This is one of the biggest projects uh, in Linux, Uh, and this is is a very critical bug, and it has not been even addressed in uh, three or four years. Now, imagine this. Imagine if this bug is not an exception. Imagine if such bugs uh, exist in all big projects like GNOME, Ubuntu, Unity, KD, so on and so forth. Now, if we are ignoring such horrible bugs in favor of new features, I don't actually personally believe that that's a good uh, way forward. You know, yes, the idea of a rolling release and new updates is very nice. On the other hand, there's, if there's still a lot of serious work to be done on older releases, maybe that should be the focus. Well,
0: so oh, your your, uh, your point is um, sort of what I was... So one of the reasons uh, I like using Arch is because I want to... Because there are a lot of open source programs are missing some features that I would consider fundamental. I know I shouldn't get on this soapbox, but let's look at Smuxy. I love Smuxy IRC client. It's great. It just needs one checkbox. One checkbox and that's hide join and part messages. I know I can set up a filter. I shouldn't have to I shouldn't have to custom design a filter where I go Google search the syntax to put into a filter so I don't have to see the join and part messages. Every other IRC client on the planet can hide join and part messages. So, mm-hmm. maybe one day the smuxy guy is going to add that. So here's my thought. I want to be on a distribution that the moment that smuxy gets updated I got it. So the other the other last week when VLC got an update, you know, I, I read I saw the headline and you know what? I did a I did an update on my system and I had it. I had that new VLC that had those new features. I had it immediately. And and I as I sit here and I set up an Ubuntu box and I download a dab and I download a dab and I have six or seven dabs downloaded so I can get something installed and I think, well great, now I'm just gonna sit at these crappy versions that probably have some sort of bug. It's stupid. It's a system that doesn't work anymore. It's not taking advantage of the fact that we have thousands of people out there creating grand features for us every single, every hour, single hour, and we never get any of them. We right, never get of any of them do when do we have these snapshots. snapshots.
5: I think a rolling release would... Something like Jintu would be perfect, because it's stable, but it's still could be bleeding edge as you want. The only problem with that, it's very hard to get used to. But... Thank, 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 well, you yeah. know, it
2: is good for companies and the family. You know, if mm-hmm. you're gonna have to teach them how to keep their system updated, or you can just give them one that is, you know, ready to go. Yeah.
5: I think no, the no, with miss- oh, oh,
0: no, right. okay. Right. okay. Okay. All right. Uh, you guys got to get your mics worked out. Jeez, yeah. that's that was awful. Yeah, it sounds like speaker and mic yeah, close to me, Yeah. All right. So, anyways, you know, my my so my my conclusion is is that kind of just have to adjust our, our expectations on some of this stuff, and it's becoming maybe less about uh, the Flash, and it's going to become more about what you can get done, right, mm-hmm. and how you do it, and, and what, what you can do. Like, you know, I'm, so I'm running Ubuntu 13.10 this week to give us to get, you know, my, just so I'm living in it, and there's been a couple of things that have worked for me that didn't work under Arch, and uh, there are certain benefits to having something that's a little more targetable, uh, uh f.lux is a program i use that uh, automatically adjusts the color temperature of my screens when the sun sets. It's kind of oh, yes. it's neat, right? Never works under Arch for me. This never no. works. It, uh, I've never uh, had it work under Arch or Manjaro. No. Yeah. Works just fine under Ubuntu. Just fine. Works just fine. Uh Super Frog HD from Steam. Never even starts under Arch. I don't know why. I've I've deleted it and reinstalled it. I've I've googled around to see if like i need some libraries that i don't know about. Never could get it working under Arch. I install it one click under Ubuntu starts right up first try. Interesting. Yeah,
1: it's it's fascinating, and you know, and going back to what we were talking about, uh, just you know, what works where and how, all that sort of stuff. I think the big picture stuff here is that, and I want to make sure everybody understands that we're not saying that you should get rid of long term releases and just go nothing but rolling. At least I'm not. Anyway, not going with nothing but rolling releases. I'm saying have the option of either or, so that you've got your regular folks actually using the rolling releases, finding the bugs, being active in that environment. But the enterprise folks, if they choose to, still have a long term uh release from which to work with and then everybody wins that's all i'm saying cuz the current model right now on ubuntu sucks <laughs> it sucks hard and mm-hmm. it needs to be fixed i mean that's just reality
0: i think it's suffering from the focus on mobile so one of the things that uh, i was going to mention uh, was that uh, there was a post in the development mailing list that got a lot of people upset and we didn't really get a chance mm-hmm. to talk about it on last but i i thought maybe i'd bring it up here just because it it's sort of it's sort of it, it fits with what we're talking about sure. in terms of focus so uh, there was a post that was made by Sebastian uh, Bashar. I don't know how you say the last name. That's, I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. And, and he noted that in uh, yeah, they're planning in 14.04. So we're talking post 13.10. 14.04. Okay. Right. Uh, they plan to stick with GTK GNOME 3.8. Now, the, he lists several reasons for this. Because now, if you figure 3.10 is hitting now, right? Right. And it includes introduces a lot of nice new features. But they're going to stick with 3.8, even in 14.04, which that means... So it's going to be like a five-year release that they're going to be using this older version of GTK. Number one reason, we, uh, Ubuntu Desktop, are currently most happy with what we have. Okay, that's a good reason, actually. All right. Number two reason, the focus on Ubuntu Desktop team is likely to continue to be Ubuntu Touch slash phone next cycle. Yeah, shocker. Due to the previous factor, we're going to be limited in resources to do desktop work. Now he goes on to say there's some other good things too. Uh the 310, 3.10 deprecates several things that they need. Uh and it looks like Red Hat Enterprise Edition might also be going with GNOME 3.8 so that way they'd be kind of compatible with the other long term support guy in the business. Well, that's good. Uh so there's other there's other logistical reasons too, but I sure don't like those uh first uh those first ones there where they say it's because the uh, desktop team is likely to be continue to focus on touch I know this is a horse that I beat, but I think this is a tactical error, and I know they think they have a purpose and a mission and an opportunity to seize, and I think they're completely missing the purpose and a mission and the opportunity to seize that is actually happening all around them right now. It's like, I believe Canonical's grand vision of having Ubuntu be like this this island of salvation as all of the rats flee Windows and Mac— they finally are there. And it is, I am seeing Ubuntu deployed in the craziest. Like, there was a thread in our subreddit that a guy started a, jo- a job at uh, Amazon.com and he walks yep. into Amazon.com, and all of the machines in his department are running Ubuntu 1204. Which is crazy, right?
5: But it's you, happening but everywhere.
1: But there it is. It's the long term release, and I think the reason for that, and the whole GNOME three uh, three dot eight thing too, is that the big picture stuff we got to remember is that people are in these environments looking for a stable a stable situation, and so I think that if we do continue to see people distro hop, and they will, and we'll see less regular people using. Uh, Linux and probably more of the enterprise, more of the schools and such, jumping onto the Ubuntu situation. I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting to see where it all plays out. But I think in yeah. the long run, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just a shift in viewership or usership. So
0: here's what I think. I think, and I'm you know, I, I I'm going to have a lot to say on Sunday about thirteen ten. There's a lot of things I've picked up on. We're gonna we're gonna cover that. But I think the 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 release to really watch will be fourteen oh four because yeah. if if they just nail it as another good steady release folks can use that for years while they work out the mere stuff the unity 8 stuff that they are you know all this yep. kind of all these hitches they're going to have they can work those out for a few years with an L, with a good LTS release out there and then maybe things will work I, work out for them I, I don't know i'm i still think it's i think it's damn risky i think they're playing a, they're, they have they have a huge gamble here and i think 1310 is going to suffer from it i don't want to blow the review because right. i you know, I'm trying to change my set of parameters in which that I look at it. I'm trying to I'm trying to adjust that and look at it from a different angle. And that'll be my attempt for the review on Sunday, but hmm, hmm. I, don't know, Matt, I don't know. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, for
1: me it's like I have, you know, I have both my cutting edge or bleeding edge desktop and then I also have my Ubuntu desktop on a separate computer that I use for a very stable environment. And I think that speaks a lot to it. I think at the end of the day Different strokes for different folks. For myself, if they come out with a really boring stable release, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, but I do think it's going to lose its newsline appeal. I think that's probably where it's going to hit the most. But I think we're still going to see a lot of people, especially with all the NSA garbage going on. I think we're going to see a lot of people offshore adopting Ubuntu and perhaps jumping onto other distros as well. So, it's interesting.
0: You, you, know, you know, you mentioned you see it too in terms of like article traffic and things like that. It's, oh yeah, big time, having, huge. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder. Big time. That might be something to dig into. Well, uh, before we get into the mail sack this week, we've got some good emails. I just wanted to mention an affiliate that we had joined the Jupiter Broadcast. We've mentioned them once before on the Unplugged show, and that is ProXPN. Now, ProXPN is a VPN service provider. They support OpenVPN, and uh, they also have an Android app that makes it pretty convenient to get a VPN with your, uh, with your Android apps. And if you go to ProXPN, they've got a deal where if you use the code JBLIVE, you're going to save 20% off the uh, ProXPN service for life. 20% nice. off ProXPN service for life. Now, I've got, I'm not going to tell you why you might need a VPN. I've got, I got a few ideas and suggestions why you might need a VPN. I know uh, we have folks that live outside the U.S. that would like to get access to U.S. services. We also have people who just like to uh, use Wi-Fi a lot at public locations. And there's plenty of legitimate reasons to use a VPN there. In fact, I would recommend you use a VPN. And I believe the ProXPN prices are pretty outrageously low. Like I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And they have some... They have like a free trial you can sign up for too. Uh, the uh, the hundred percent free though, uh, they they don't support PPTP. So if you need the PPTP, you're gonna have to also the app. But I just care about the PPTP. And uh, it's fun to say that. The premium is six twenty five a month. No kidding. And our deal is gonna give you twenty five percent off for life when you use the code JB Live. Oh, How about that? Nice, 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 nice. That's ProxPN like that. and use the code JB Live to get twenty percent off. Good stuff. All right, so let's move on to the emails now. So uh, you can email us, Show at jupiterbroadcasting.com, or if you want to send it specifically for the Unplugged show, which we've been getting more of those, you can uh, just email. Uh, go to uh, jupiterbroadcasting.com and click on the contact link at the top of our website and then choose Unplugged from the drop-down. Or you can also join our Mumble. But if you join our Mumble server, wear headphones. That way we don't have horrible echo and then have to hang up on the room. Yes,
1: yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Our first email today came in for our, I guess not really our first, but our first email in the email section from Noah. He says, I'm one of the few young Linux users. I'm 14. I've been using Linux for about a year. It's amazing oh. how little my generation knows about computers. Oh, ouch. Ouch. Yep.
1: Uh, he's right. And good for you, Noah. And thank you on two fronts for using Linux and acknowledging that. Yeah, and for writing in when he's 14. That's cool, too. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Uh, so uh, Noah goes on to say that I've been... Uh, Following Jupiter Broadcasting for a little while, and I really enjoy your videos. I remember you talking about how kids really don't know computers, cloud services, servers, networks, etc. Uh, he says uh, this is true, and not uh, and this is true, and not many want to learn. But I want to know more about these things myself. Oftentimes on the show, when you start talking about servers or something, I really get lost. I was wondering if you could do a show or give some pointers to young people that want to expand their knowledge on Linux servers and networking. I would love to know more about these things. Even if you could give a website or advice, that would be great. Can't wait till the roll-your-own-email server episode. Thanks, Noah.
1: Awesome. What what a great question, and what a great point. I think that's a, an excellent point that maybe we do need to touch on that more. You know.
0: Uh, let's ask the Mumble Room. Do you guys have any yeah. uh, tips for kids that want to learn computers and networking in Linux? What's a good way they could get started, preferably online?
3: As a 15-year-old on Linux, uh, just jump into it.
0: There you Look go. For- Look for a
7: free PDFs. So there are some out there that will basically start with yeah. the essentials, and then start yeah. reading that, and then use your own um, distribution. But download something, use it, and start using it, and keep using it, and then just throw away Windows. No one's
0: going to say and fix it. No one's going to say listen to podcasts. Well, there is that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the <people laughs> actions, of course, though, that's of course. a given.
7: That's a given. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. then again, you, your podcast doesn't really go into the uh, how to do it. Like be. BSD That's us.
0: true. Right, yeah. Well, we, I've That's always true. kind of had the philosophy of, um, it, so our audience is so diverse, there's people who don't know anything, and then there's people who know way, way, way more than we do. So I've always felt like try to cut it down the middle and give people enough information that if they care, they're inspired to go out and learn, and if they don't care, they've at least picked up a little bit about something they didn't know about, and they can just move on.
4: So I kind of try to watch yes, out isn't really about, you know, the technical side of things, is it?
0: Well, it can be, you know, it can be like I gave you the API call names of WebRTC last week. That's pretty technical.
2: Well, the way I tell them to get into something is to rip open an old computer because way back in the day, we always used to have to mod probe our own modules into our kernels. That's right. (laughs) We have to know what our hardware is in order to get our kernels to run correctly. A good way it's hands on is to just rip apart a computer and just get Linux running on that.
0: Yeah, you know, when I installed Gentoo, I sure sure. learned a heck of a lot back in the day.
2: Yeah, here's
8: here's how I started. I started with uh, just a year of Ubuntu, and then after a while, I decided, "Hey, let's try Arch." So I switched to Arch, uh, and I haven't looked back since. But that's the way I learned that. As far as it comes to networking and computers, I was part of a class back in high school. Of course, we're talking mid '90s here, and it was it, it really helped to. Learn the hardware and the software, and not only that, but I really got my first uh, look at Linux at the time too. Of course, that was Slackware mm-hmm. at an early age. But at the same time, you know, if if you start networking with people, you know, you're gonna find out there's a lot of people out there who know this stuff who would be willing to take them you under their wing. That's
3: exactly Absolutely. what I did. Yeah,
5: I think the Arch Wiki actually has a lot of good stuff in networking yeah. too, and so does the Gentoo Wiki if you're actually looking a right sections.
2: Yeah, the software is directly yeah. related to the hardware. If you want to know exactly how the disks use their blocks or file systems function, or how the network file system does its protocols, or how the kernel has locking or has rings to do virtual machines, right? You, it's all based on the yeah. hardware. It can do CPU extensions, RAM. It's all software is built yeah. on top of the hardware in order to make the hardware.
4: Work. You know what? you know what so i think this, uh, this right. i think this generation has it i mean thing is when i was 17 like 5 6 years i uh, don't no, 6 mm-hmm. years ago and i was using um suse 11.1 and ubuntu uh, 8.04 now those were very i mean for me they were very unstable they they had a lot of problems for me and so getting into it was a lot harder than it is now that ties into the whole stability con- stability conversation. Where mm-hmm. if you have a stable distro, if you have something that uh, someone can rely on, someone can trust, someone can someone new can actually uh, play with and get used to, then maybe they can learn more about it much easier than they could before.
2: Yeah, instead of throwing them into yeah. the you know fire or rolling distro. You
0: know, you you touch on something that I kind of didn't really end cap that conversation with, but you you mentioned it. It made me realize like i called ubuntu is it the xp of linux but i actually think windows xp while it had all of its problems was like a huge huge advantage for windows because it it Absolutely. like it allowed so many so many people to target one thing and i wonder if like maybe when we talk about ubuntu and we talk about average users we shouldn't even talk about the dot releases maybe we should only be talking in the context of lts releases Good point. Yeah, that's a very good point.
4: Because if somebody can't uh, trust their computer to, cl- to work when something is critical, or somebody can't rely on a computer to be stable, they can't really be interested in learning it now, can they? Ask Ubuntu is
3: great help.
7: Personally, I wouldn't see Ubuntu as, uh, as the XP of Linux. I'd see it more as the Windows 8.
2: Hmm. What do you well, think is not about? I don't it. know. I feel like, like that's being a little hard.
7: getting it is cuz it it's just trying to use the whole touch interface and it's like, yeah, it doesn't work on desktops. And come on.
8: Well, here's what we, I think that. Are we still talking will... about a uh teenager learning about computers or have we moved on from that? Well, it I seems wanna, like
0: we kind of. I want to move on. Yeah, yeah I want to move on from that because I want to. We have I, the, the 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 point was is like the chairman pointed out too, There's how to forge command you know commandlinefoo.com. Uh, but I but think it, what the what the room the has LDP. touched is what the room has touched on is uh, you know dig in. And if you want to learn the application, so if you want to learn the lower level stuff, you know there's lots of ways to do that. There's wikis to dig into. But if you want to learn the application level stuff, what the mumble room is saying, and I agree with them, is stick to a a, a stable distro. That way, you're not fighting quirks. You're just able to focus on the learning experience of it. I, I would
1: add I add on one last thing, and then I'll let it go. And that's something that's not been touched on yet is create a problem, find a solution. Right. Figure out what task you're trying to do. I want to make a mail server. Own I want cloud. to set up a web server. I want to play with mail. Totally you know, agree. Don't, it's not so much about just diving into yeah. diving into what. Yeah. I mean, they have to have, have an identifiable thing to dive into. And then
0: you'll so that's, figure out the pieces in between. Bingo. Yeah.
3: That's it. Yep. I think using bad. Linux bad. gave me a whole new outlook on how to do things. I mean, it's a whole new thought process to try True. to solve my own mm-hmm. problems.
4: Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know there yeah. are very good YouTube videos about this. Uh, dance courses, yep. for example. Yep. Eli, the computer guy, they have really, really good Linux uh, introductions, especially for beginners. Yeah.
7: Yep. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, if you're doing something on Windows and you move over to Linux, try and find the Linux version of whatever it was
1: you were doing. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. Bingo. Good stuff. Stand by. We'll read the next email, then we'll uh, see if we can need to get. Any. Oh well, this one, this one these just. Uh, I'm just getting beat up a little. But came in from G says, uh, "Hey Chris and Matt, well, hey G, he says mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm liking the new show and the format. Well, I'm not sure if it was intentional. It seems that Linux Unplug can be where you all, pardon my Texas speak, editorialize and take and uh, and take it out of last. Now with the pleasantries done, I must share some constructive feedback. Chris, you sure. have bitched about how you nuked your KDE configuration. As a credible system administrator, you've blasted KDE with no backups? No backups? I say, shame on you, sir. No matter the application, you should have backups. Even a responsible end user knows you need backups. I have to admit that I have been burned by a lack of backups, so I can't be too critical. I've started taking daily backups with the following script, and I've even started to adopt them on my laptop. So he provided the bash script that he uses, using some uh, rsync foo, and uh, he says, I'm sure several other ways and better ways to do it than I have in this script. Uh, I do it like I comp- I I don't like the compliment sandwich but keep up the great work. Thanks for all the hard work. G7. <laughs> so, um, I admitted to that that I should have had backups. I I do admit Well, that. And I and I pointed that out to you once or twice myself, but so
1: but I, I also know that you have a lot going on and it truly, you know, you do have other things going on. So.
0: Right, and I even said like during the the ramp up to the arch challenge I was like, "Well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to take snapshots." That's why I, that's why I went butter FS. And I and I agree. I agree. I really have no defense other than other than other than I, I didn't intend to do anything like I, all I was doing was I logged out, I logged into GNOME. I thought, hmm, I'm going to, I'm going to launch my Plasma Active widgets here and just see how that looks because I've read you can do that. And all I did was type in Plasma Active or whatever the command was, ran it, and that's what destroyed my KDE configuration. Didn't even cross my mind that I should run a backup before I do that.
1: Right, because it wasn't because tr- you weren't running an update. You literally just changed desktops and ran Plasma
0: Active. Yeah, and I've, like I I've okay. logged into KDE and ran Nautilus a million times. Sure. So to me, it just I didn't really appreciate it. I guess I didn't appreciate what I was doing, and I had a backup, but it was like two weeks old, and I just felt <laughs> like you no. Know. It just wasn't yep. worth it. Yeah,
1: and that's but, why I don't use KDE at all. I just put that out there.
0: <laughs> I, I I mean I admit it was my bad. It was my bad. I'm a bad person, I guess. I should be punished, but I am really enjoying uh, GNOME 3.10, and I'll have my thoughts on Unity too. Which uh, I won't say anything more because i already. No, I've already got. Said you much. gotta save that. Save that for the big show. I said too much. I said too much. All right, our last email for the day comes in from Mik- Mirko. Mirko, dear Chris and Matt, I'm a longtime fan of Lass, a Linux user. I use Arch with XFCE and a developer of the game. Boss Constructor, which is about building and flying your own spaceship. Based on the games you have covered so far and your sci-fi preferences, I thought you guys might like this and they'd be interested in the game. It'd be fantastic if you could mention a link to my Greenlight campaign on the show. The page includes screenshots and the trailer video. So, uh, this, this, how cool is this? So, here's what I love. Wow. I love... I'm loving these guys getting their stuff into Greenlight because it gives these guys a chance to, to uh, you know, make something that... Uh, it's not it's not like Kickstarter. I actually kind of like it better than Kickstarter in some ways oh, yeah. uh, because you get you independent uh, how it works. You get early access to the game as a contributor. So it's sort of like the game's already been in development. So it's not like you're I don't believe you're funding it from inception. You're funding it when it's at a work enough point that Valve says, all right, put this on here. And then if it gets greenlit, I think if you greenlight the campaign and you fund it, you get access to the game.
1: Oh, that's interesting. It's and a, I'm, and I'm watching system. this video here of you putting together what looks like a uh, spaceship.
0: Yeah. It looks cool. It looks cool, doesn't it? Looks very cool. Yeah. This is this is his uh, game, Boss Constructor. It's going to be available, of course, for Linux. So.
1: And it looks like as you uh, build it, and the diff- depending on how you build it, it, of course, affects its performance, its ability to fly and whatnot. That's cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, oh, cool. Boyd, bo- uh, Bowtied Dynamite in the chat room says he voted for this game last night. Nice. Yeah. So, guys, go look for Boss Constructor. Uh, one of our fellow last audience members is creating it and just got on green light. That that must be really exciting when you've been working on something and it hits that. Because if it hits green light and you actually get green lit, then it ends up on Steam and then it's available for sale on the Steam store.
1: That's got to be really exciting. Kind of it reminds me of the uh, when you end up like with your own infomercial kind of situation. <laughs> it's got to feel like that where you're
0: <laughs> like, I'm going to be a millionaire. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> how much would you pay for this great game? Absolutely, right? Yeah, and yeah. no kidding. <laughs> so uh, good luck to you on that one, Mirko. And uh, if you guys want to go find uh, Boss Constructor and give it a, a light, I guess that's how that works. I don't, I don't know. Also, i just give a, I'll just give a plug for Super Frog HD. That's a ton of fun. It's a side-scrolling platformer, so you gotta like those. But uh, I loaded that up on my machine last night, and uh, I totally love that. All right, I'm gonna jump into the Mumble channel, guys. One last chance. Anything anybody wants to touch on before we wrap up this episode? Run down the list. Last chance. Clocks running out. Well, no,
4: just the the fact that you know. Uh, again, I'd just like to say if there are very, very serious bugs that you are ignoring in favor of features, then I don't think that should be something people should do. Meaning, you know, if you want to push, say, uh, uh, own cloud integration, but not work on a very serious bug that has existed for, like, God knows how long, then that's a wrong thing to do. But that's my opinion.
0: Yeah. Ooh, but, you, you are, know, you uh, are butting see. up against a complex issue, my friend, because... It's an open source, and so you have people working on what the things they want to work on, and sometimes the guy yeah. that might have implemented something that has the bug no longer is on the project anymore.
1: That happens hey, a lot, actually. Yeah. I,
6: yeah. I would argue hey, yeah. about the LTS as well, because LTS is a great idea for stabi- stability, but when you take into account the LTS of the apps, that's irrelevant, because there shouldn't be a uh, lockdown on the apps. There should be locked lockdown on the security, the maintenance, the kernel, stuff like that but the app right. should be freely open.
0: Yeah, this is what I would think too, Rotten Corps, is I feel like there's a place for LTS at the underlying, underpinning stuff, and then... Uh, Because I mean, let's be honest. We can all sit here all day long and talk about LTS releases. But everyone in this room, if you were stuck with an LTS release, you'd have that thing so ppa'd up in six months, it'd be ridiculous, right? Half <laughs> the true. repos your yeah. app get checking would probably fail because they'd all been shut down, <laughs> right? I mean, I've yep. I've been on thirteen ten literally for what three days, and two of the repos are already giving me four hundred four errors.
6: <laughs> it's I mean, wow. uh, so, my project. I have a project that's in well, uh, the Ubuntu Software Center that hasn't been updated in a year and a half. They just won't update it for some reason. That's like if, if, if the 1310 has the newest version, whereas every other one has uh, two stable versions back. What product is that? Uh, you get download manager. Hmm. It's a yeah. uh, oh, 1210 yeah. and okay. 1304 all have 1.8 sta- uh, stable, and we've been on 1.10 for a year.
1: The Ubuntu Software Center is a mess in its on its best day, in my opinion. It's it's a terrible,
6: well, terrible mess. Here's, Has anyone here's tried AppGrid?
0: Yeah, I've looked at it. I haven't tried it yet. Have you tried it?
3: I mean, the performance is great. It's closed source, but uh, it works a hell of a lot better than the Ubuntu wait, Software app, Center. Wait, isn't
0: AppGrid being created by Canonical?
3: I don't think so. We're, we're, I read that it was closed source.
0: Hmm. Well, no. well, look at that. Yeah, AppGrid is supposed to be uh, the replacement for uh, uh, the software center. I thought I thought they were – so I'm looking at the maintainer is PGG on uh, on uh, Launchpad. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a license. Uh, yeah, you're right, proprietary. You're right. It's got a Launchpad 30-day trial communi- uh, communi- commercial license. Um, the project's license is proprietary. Oh,
5: <laughs> man. I wonder wow. if this is beta or something and it's keeping it uh, closed until it launches Maybe. I hope it
3: was open source. It's great.
0: Hmm, interesting. Well, I'll give I'll give Abbey a check. Now, what what uh, distro are you, run, are you running on? Thirteen oh four.
3: I uh, used it when I was still on Ubuntu. Now, uh, based on Matt's recommendation, I'm on Manjaro.
0: Oh, how do you like Manjaro?
3: I I think it's great. I love uh, the Arch user repository. Yeah. I wouldn't go back.
1: Yeah, the only piece of advice I have there it's going to keep you from de- you know, dealing with a lot of people saying, it's not stable and it's going to break. That, that's, cr- that's crap, to be honest with you, because I've been running it for no problems. But the main thing is every time there's an update, go to their blog and check what's going on before you update. That's the only piece of advice I have, just in case there's something funky you need to be aware of. But otherwise, it's pretty cool. The forums
3: are surprisingly active.
1: Oh, yeah, they're quite active.
6: Yeah. You know, I've been using Mint for only a day, and now I'm heading back to Arch because it was just that bad for me.
0: What what was what was rough for you? Yeah, you got to be specific so I understand.
1: It,
6: just the fact that I don't have anything really up to date. It's very, it's actually slower, ways, but way slower, and it's okay. just I, I can't stand it.
1: I would really? give you the package age is definitely different because uh, of the freeze releases, and it's definitely, absolutely not bleeding edge by any stretch of the imagination. But slower, uh, and I don't know. I, I can't. I I have arch well, yeah. on another partition, and I, I found I've it, not.
6: That'd be I about the yeah. same. No, I meant I meant mint as is. Yeah. Mint is oh, slower. Oh,
1: I am sorry, mint. Oh, yeah, mint's a total yeah, turtle.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I want to go back. So this is I'm this, this was my thing is. is so I guess you know one of the things about XP was that you could update all of the applications, but it was the system that and see this is not true. This this is where the analogy falls down. Is so much of this stuff is integrated with the repositories that also don't get updated. And I think this is really where it falls down for me because I could actually run like I wouldn't want to, but like I could yeah. run Ubuntu 1204 if all of the user land stuff stayed up to date. And I'm talking yeah. Video yeah. Driver too in that in that context. But Chromium, Firefox, they they those are like really the, the, the some of the things that they do manage to stay up to date. But I'm talking everything. Pigeon, VLC. I want everything up to date. And then you can keep the lower level stuff. And and I wouldn't just argue that might work. I would argue we've seen that work in the marketplace. We've seen it work in the enterprise. We've seen it work all over the place. We've seen that model work, and I don't understand why we, why maybe we can't break it out a little bit. You know, break it up. Say this 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 top part of Ubuntu would be rolling. This lower part would be static and non changing, and maybe we'd do service packs and and things like that.
8: Those are exactly think- my thoughts. I was thinking the exact same thing. I was thinking, keep the core stable and frozen, but roll the drivers and the apps. That would be a perfect world. Sadly, I don't see too many Linux distributions doing that. It seems
0: to be all or nothing. Well, it just doesn't work that way. Uh,
8: Because the
6: issue is just... Just look at the kernel and the kernel guys. And from that point to every other point in the chain up to the desktop, they're all separate projects. They all have their separate agendas and they all have their need to work on the stuff all the time. You
0: just can't say to them, mm-hmm. please stop d- developing new stuff. Make it stable. And next year you can come up with another new version. But please stop and uh, developing
3: new versions. You just can't do that. But see it exactly. will never
0: it'll never work in open source. In that'll never work because then they'll say right. they'll, they'll give you the middle finger and they'll walk. So yeah. what your alternative oh, is is to hope System that in D. the in the process forward they iterate and make it better. That's that's kind of our best hope.
6: We should we do, do
2: a hybrid. hybrid. What um well, System D, a- our kernel and gnome are three great examples of an entire vertical stack which are almost linked. And yeah. dependent upon each other, all evolving at the same time. But to you, put an old like kernel underneath a new or a new gnome with system B, it's going to be real tricky. I'm pretty well, happy. that
0: would might be that might be a good example of where you have to draw the line. But then all you really would have to do is say, "All right, well, what what's the minimum version we have to get to?" Well, and then we and then we stay there. Uh, although, you know, I, I think we should we should probably bring up click packages, as uh, Mika too just said in the chat room. Click packages from Canonical could change up this game a little bit. Sort of like PBIs. Click click packages are the new type of installer that are really right now being designed for mobile Ubuntu, but eventually they could become the new type of installation packages on Ubuntu, where you download a a click package, you you click it, and it installs a new version of the application.
1: I seem to remember uh, a a click package specifically. uh, I I think it was KLI I K, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that, and basically it was distro-independent and it was self-contained packages, basically mimicking themselves after uh, the OS X way of doing things, and that and that was pretty old hat, and it was dismissed at the time as being stupid, and they were never up to date, and blah 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 blah. Is that essentially what uh, what we're seeing with Ubuntu adopting? I mean, is that kind of what we're? I, on, d- I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's pretty old school stuff. Yeah, hmm. I'm going to try some packages and packages having their own.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to try and get a
1: URL for you here if I can find it. But yeah, it's, it was very popular for a while. Let's see, click. Dead well, packages I mean, are
5: already almost like that. I mean, all you have to do is just up to uh, GW or something sure. like that. And then-
1: right, but this literally was like, I mean, had nothing to do with what, I mean, oh my god. Yeah, it was completely on its own, on its own. Let me see if I can find to it. To me,
2: in. this is just Ubuntu or Canonical doing what they do to everything. They're trying to bring everything in house and just recreate the wheel over and over again. They don't have package dependencies. They're making a solution for a problem that doesn't need uh, a solution. Just like
4: me. Yeah, I've got a point. Going along like with that.
2: DBIs have a really good purpose. They're built from, like, it's a source distribution, FreeBSD. Yeah, uh, portable Linux apps something. Like that. Okay, that is uh, completely different. I think that
3: well, that's a good point. I,
0: I, doesn't I be
2: mean, working. they're they're going, up, they're going
0: they're yeah. going off on their own direction, and i I think you could make the argument that yes, they're going off in their own direction again. But uh, I don't know if PBIs would work for them. It would be interesting if they could apply something like PBIs. So that's a good point you just made there, and that's again, uh, it, it there's a, there's a lot of ways to solve this, but we're not there yet at least they're talking about going in that direction. Right. I mean, at least it's not like they well, apparently are aware of the problem I and mean, click packages right there very much indicates they're aware of this issue.
1: Well, and here's what pisses me off about all this canonical stuff. It's like, Oh, we've invented the software center. No, you guys went and hired people from Linspire. The guys that used to do the CNR packages, you didn't invent squat. Now we're doing it again with the click packages stuff. This is old hat. It's, I just sent uh, Chris a link on Skype. I don't know if it'll if you're able to get to it or not, but it's, um, Basically it's like you know, they're not inventing anything. They're not really even innovating anything, they're basically pretending like they are. PortableLinuxApps.org. Visit it. Check it out. This is old stuff. Yeah. So if,
0: I feel like I feel no. like that same argument is lobbied at uh at, at Apple. That Apple didn't invent anything, they're just repackaging it. And, well, and
1: if they could do it better, that's great, but they didn't. CNR, quite frankly, as much as people hated Linspire, is better than the software center by leaps and bounds. It was just a better experience. Linspire sucked, don't get me wrong. it was horrible. but CNR back at the 4.5, 4. 5.0 5. days was actually pretty good before they broke it out for all the distros. It was actually pretty reasonable. I could have an entire software aisle installed on any machine I wanted by logging in, clicking install aisle, and going and having a cup of coffee. Yeah. It was really simple. you know
0: Yeah, it was a good system. Um, it, was
1: just, it was just apt on the back end, but again, you know, but now you've got the software center, which is like you've got to jump through hoops and hope to God your payment stuff works. It's horrible. It's really, it's really, it, just, it really frustrates me because I want it to be successful. I really do. I care about Ubuntu, but they're not doing it for me right now.
0: Yeah, I don't use the software center anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't use it anymore. It's not, no, it's, no one does. It's not even in my launch bar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and the pa- packages
1: are out of date. The, the for-profit stuff is even worse because the folks are sending them the stuff, but as it was pointed out in the mumble room, it's not being updated. Yeah. You know, it's a problem. So.
0: Yeah, I think I think we as Linux users have a tendency to look at the negatives here, and we want yeah. we want it fixed. We want it fixed because we see the problem and we see it for a while. But I think when you look at the actual strategy that's at play here with these LTS releases, and those are what we see in deploy, that's what we see Ubuntu based on, that's what Amazon's running, that's what all these people are running is twelve oh four. And if you know, if you're looking at it. At two different types, there's two different games here. There's yeah. there's the there's the interim release game that all of the enthusiasts follow and upgrade to, and there's the LTS game. And it's almost like it's there's two different there's two different Ubuntu's. There's stable, True. steady as it goes Ubuntu that's supported for a while, and there's crazy Ubuntu that's pissing everybody off that does all these kinds of things that nobody likes or doesn't do enough. And it's like it's either it's either or. Um, yeah.
1: But no, I agree with that. You
0: know, I, I guess that's that, It seems like a problem that only affects. Probably the niche of the niche. Well, and for
1: me, I just want to put the tough love out there because I'm not doing it because I want to see them fail or, or have a bad day or ruin someone's hard work. I want the people that are making the decisions, not the developers, but the hierarchy, the hi- you know further up the chain, to really understand where we're coming from. Stop screwing up hard work of your developers. These guys are doing tremendously awesome stuff, and then you guys kind of poo-poo it with crap that no one cares about. The software centers, you know, was a great example of that. It was a great idea and they did the worst I I I couldn't have done worse myself. It was horrible. It's just it's terrible. I don't even know how they consider that usable. You it's, know, it's it's, it's ugh. I uh I
0: I didn't I didn't I, I was trying to end it on a positive note, but I would just point right. out that if if they hadn't gone off in their own direction with Unity, if like Sure. and I,
1: and I now that I, I agree with you on. That I agree. It,
0: yeah. I understand there was there's political things that happened. There was, you know, vision that they needed to execute. But I, sure. I believe the, one, of the original, one of the original ideas behind Unity was the same UI across all these devices. Now they're kind of custom-building UIs for the TV, for the tablet, for the phone, for the desktop. But going back, like, if somehow, like, the planets aligned and they hadn't had that break, and, like, they just, like, the politics worked out so that way the GNOME project was cool working with them, and they were cool with the GNOME project, which I acknowledged was never going to happen. Right, it's just, you know, right. too many alpha dogs in the room. But now, if they were still hitched to that wagon, they could essentially disengage from the desktop and completely focus on mobile like they're doing. And as long as they packaged everything up, applied a nice theme, and worked out some bugs, we'd all get brand new toys with our updates. We'd sure. all get the new stuff. We'd all get 310. We'd all get all this great new stuff. Yeah. And, and they wouldn't They They would. They would have to have built an entire desktop and that uh, arguably may have been better initially. But as their focus wanes, and GNOME and KDE and XFCE and Mate and, and Cinnamon all progress mm-hmm. forward, at you know, at their at, with their with their main focus, with what their primary task is, as they all move forward, with those things they eventually will outpace what has happened, or have already outpaced Unity. And if they weren't even attached to that right now, they'd be reaping those rewards. That's true. That's true. And I've come to, I mean, and
1: well, with Unity, I I've been harsh on Unity in the past. You know, I don't necessarily have a problem with it now. I mean, it's not my go-to desktop, but it's—it isn't. It's not ugly. It really isn't. It's not an ugly desktop. It's actually quite attractive. There's some usability paper cuts here and there, but for the most part, I'm I'm okay with it. You know, I don't have a real problem with it.
0: I will give that a ding, Matt. Well, <laughs> I will. Uh, we'll leave that as a cliffhanger right there because that's where my thoughts will pick up yeah. on the review. Is uh, now that I've been running KD and GNOME, and now I'm back on Unity for the week. We'll give hmm. our thoughts in the review on Sunday. Oh yeah. For this definitely. week's Linux Action Show. So uh, we'll end it right there because I think that's a good uh, that's a good like jumping off point for the show. Kind of wow. sets the stage for Sunday's episode of the Linux Action Show. Right there, Matt.
1: Well done. That's Sam. right there. I have shaken my fist at the clouds. I have spoken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, if you want to get a hold of us, email us Linux Action Show at jupiterbroadcasting.com, or pop the contact link. You can even just choose unplug from the drop down or go harass our subreddit over at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. Make some noise, make some votes because that sort of tweaks, it molds what we cover. It impacts our coverage. Plus, we take all of your comments into context. So even just tossing your thoughts in a thread help out too. Don't forget, you can join us on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. Thanks to our mumble room for joining us. And Matt, have a great week. I'll see you on Sunday. Sounds good. See you then. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you right back here next week. We should have recorded this because I got a question for you guys. Okay, yeah, so like if if Linux recording. is this ocean of activity, right, and yeah. Ubuntu is the island that sits above it that all of the regular consumers see, and that's the where they land on when they find Linux, and if it, if and if the island's ruined, who steps up? Who steps up next? Who's it? SteamOS, Mint, Mint,
7: Steam, Mint,
5: Mint, Mint, Mint and yeah.
0: SteamOS.
6: Why does Honestly, anyone have Mint. to step up?
5: I think it's going to be Mint. It's got to be. If they got Cinnamon 2.0 coming out, it's going to be, I don't know. What about Mentalized Elementary OS? Things, what about Elementary,
1: elementary OS? Be- elementary yeah. OS doesn't have enough of a, an existing uh, base. And as far as the why yeah, someone right. needs to step up, I think it's a matter of we, we would have a void like we did before Ubuntu and post Linspire with the news yeah. outlets that those news outlets matter. If you, want, if you want to appeal to those news outlets, you damn well better be n- uber friendly or newbie-friendly. I, I don't I think
8: Elementary do. gets enough press. Honestly, if they had if they got more press, then perhaps people would be more
6: turned on. But Grand, you know, yeah. It, yeah, for it, no, non with geek mint, people, yes, but yeah, not, that's what But the problem with the problem with elementary are, um, is that I'm it has handy.
0: it's not going to be mint or elementary OS. I think it's going to be Steam OS, and I think the reason why it's going to no, be Steam yeah. OS is because of yes. Valve. Just like Android it's took off really because it. of Google, and the reason why even Ubuntu sees the success, the reason why Valve picked Ubuntu is because of Canonical, right? Because business. I trust business, right? And the problem with both Elementary and Mint is while they're fantastic, they're LLCs at best. You know, one yeah, or two guys. L- mm. Yeah,
7: it's just not simple. Whereas SteamOS, I think, will be. But I think that's oh. I think
0: that's going to be a loss because. Ubuntu is a full-fledged desktop with your with your office suite on there, with a word with a with a browser, wow, messenger.
2: If we're only looking at a replacement, then SteamOS is probably first in line. But if anything, I would I want friggin Ubuntu to fix their friggin problem. Swallow their pride and fix their shit.
4: I would disagree. Um, I I would say that you know, uh, Fedora, OpenSUSE, uh, uh, maybe even Arch, and think but Ubuntu distors, doesn't have to I'll,
2: be a pain in the ass. It's doing it by yeah. choice
4: and other distros i'm saying other distros are good enough to replace ubuntu at any time ubuntu is not the only one with stability and with reliability now true now ubuntu and fedora and all of them are very very good so they're perfect alternatives in you know my but opinion. the funny
0: thing about all of those you've listed they've been around longer than ubuntu and none of them have been able to achieve the popularity that ubuntu did they they've whatever either its either its execution of of what they're offering is it's, or it's the marketing or whatever it is all of those examples were around before Ubuntu and will, yeah, be around after Ubuntu, but it doesn't mean they're going to get any attention.
6: They never, they didn't mm. approach the, the d- distro idea like the way Ubuntu did, where they want to make it as easy as possible. That's right. They wanted to give as much con- con- like customization and control as possible, whereas people who are right. coming from Windows do not care. Yeah, that's why exactly the is that's
8: that's one one thing what I mean. want to point it's out like- is that if, if anything is going to succeed, it's got to be Ubuntu, because Mint, Elementary, SteamOS, they all t- kind of ride on their coattails, because they're yeah, all real. built on Ubuntu. So if Whoa. Ubuntu dies, where do they all go? I see Mint going to Debian, but I don't know about anything else. Elementary
2: yeah, dies. But can we even count SteamOS, because SteamOS is, is it is meant for a uh, for living room? Yeah, I don't think yeah, so.
3: That can't be a replacement for Ubuntu. It, it, it yeah. it's it gaming focused.
2: Well, yeah, well, it, it can a, a misguided child. We Simply not s- go. So it who is th-
0: who is the reigning champion, the desktop island of salvation for the fleeing rats when Ubuntu sinks?
3: I think whatever oh, it, it has it doesn't matter. to be. It has. I mean, it has to be pretty. That's oh, totally something that a lot is. a lot of people say. That a lot of people look over. But when I was first starting on Linux, I looked around. I barely knew what distribution was, but I saw this pretty little sidebar, and I was like, ooh, that looks cool.
0: What if it, yeah. is, what if it is Chrome OS? I think that's a lot of people are just going to go to distro oh, oh, uh, and and
1: check out what's out there. I don't think there's going to be any one specific distro that's going to fill that niche.
0: If you can't offer a turnkey answer to that, I think you're going to turn away a lot of switchers. Oh, you are. There's the, going to the, be a lot of
6: people that are going um, to a turnkey. I have a turnkey but answer. I
2: think, yeah,
6: I mean, it's basically the the reason why Ubuntu became such a huge thing is because they took GNOME and made it really simple. Yeah. So, and what, that's what GNOME is trying to do, uh, by themselves. So, what if, if whenever if Ubuntu dies, the the one that's going to take over is just it could be a new one, it could be you know just one of them that existed, but they're just going to take GNOME and make it just as easy as Ubuntu was trying to in the first place. So, yeah, it's, about
4: US, die. it's about the desktop environment, actually. Forget the desktop
2: environment.
8: Honestly, forget the desktop environment. It's whatever's the most simple, and for the most simple, for the majority of people, is the web browser, and then that goes back to Google Chrome. Well, I agree. People, Chrome OS yeah. has got the most press go... right now. They're going to get the, they're going to get all the popularity. And they're, they're in and, the stores, and, and,
0: and, and they're going to add more features. So by the time this, yeah. this singularity yeah. happens, they'll have had more. They'll have it'll have more desktop-like functionality. I'm sure. Yep.
2: They've just, just like, like, Chrome. It's Chrome. It's it's It doesn't even have an office suite.
8: It does. It's got Google Docs. Yeah. Yeah. Right going in the web browser. You connected to the internet.
0: Speaking of Chrome OS, did you guys see be. that they had a new uh, Chromebook? Yes, I did, and I want it. It oh, charges yeah. with a micro-USB cord. That's Brilliant. how you charge it. That's crazy. What? And it, and phone, as far as it being popular or not
1: popular, what? let me put this in perspective. Go to Amazon.com and look up their most popular notebook.
2: It's the it, it's, it's Chromebook. You know, three. You know, yeah, it's the
1: Chrome, yeah, Chrome OS is going to be it. Yeah. I really think, unfortunately, yeah. you know. Well, yeah,
2: there's going to yeah. be a replacement. That's I all mean
0: it helps that the price pretty yeah. b- uh, pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah, it does. Amazon Absolutely. is not where
2: post people go mm-hmm. get their get anyway. Linux on hardware. <laughs> That's the issue. You
8: get
3: Google Linux on hardware, but it'll so be it, what you guys player. are
0: all really saying is Gen Two is the winner.
3: Absolutely.
6: Yes. So, <laughs> oh yeah, totally.
3: <laughs>